Hey now. What is going on? Oh, Christian. Oh, Christian. It's your buddy, Kato Palin. And you got a big show. Dines full. <laughs> Broadcasting live to take across the nation and the world from the Lorena Bobbitt Theater. Now available in original unscented in beautiful North Seattle. It's the podcast for a world gone mad. This is The Society Show. And now, your host, a man who is typically asleep right now, Christian Patterson. Alright, this is The Society Show. Do you believe in society's laws? My name is Christian Today I am joined by two guests. I believe it's the first time I've... I I take that back. There's one other time I had two guests, although it wasn't my favorite show, so I don't remember it well. But uh, anyway, please welcome the hosts of the Turn Your Monitor On podcast, Nick and Jess. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, and I wanted to uh, ask about your podcast a little bit before we get into uh, too much, because uh, I did listen to your newest episode about uh, the Woodstock 99 documentary. I'm really curious about watching it, mostly because I've basically universally heard it's so bad um, uh, in a lot of ways. But do you want to give the uh, my audience uh, a little bit of your perspective on that movie? For our episode, we we went into the documentary as people who are strangely interested in Woodstock '99. Uh, not that we're really that big of a fan of the music, but there's something about it that's that's really interesting and weird, and it's you know it's gained this reputation as being a total disaster. So when they released the new documentary on it, we decided to watch it and and see what we said. And I think we kind of we kind of came away with sort of a mixed opinion on it. Like it, the documentary does some things well, it does some things less well, and it kind of. It gives a it gives a good overview, but it's nothing really new if you know about it. Yeah, I didn't feel like there was uh, a lot to, you know, there wasn't a lot in it that you didn't already know. It's worth watching if you don't know, like if you don't know anything about Woodstock '99. It's definitely worth watching, and I think that it was. Uh, I don't regret watching it. I think that there's a lot of interesting footage there, and it's you know. A look at a really interesting event, but we we kind of left with the feeling like, and eh, not really not really learning too much from it. Um, yeah, one feedback I've heard a few people say about it is it's a little bit preachy and moralistic, like, and they have the um f- uh, festival director whoever organized it on there as well as like a talking head even though i feel like i mean he whoever organized that festival is more responsible than say like fred durst for causing a lot of the chaos but uh, what are your thoughts on the idea that it's kind of like a preachy movie preachy but it definitely they have i think he's a promoter john sure the the guy you're talking about uh, he talks a lot about it and he's definitely blaming Fred Durst and the other musicians, but I think you can, when you watch it, you can take away that he's full of shit. Yeah, they definitely have, they have enough of him and they let him say things that it it, it shows you that he, he is kind of a jerk and the way that he was running things was was uh not good it's got him basically blaming everyone for the problems that were that were caused by him so i think i think you come away from it feeling like he's the bad guy in all this um so i think there's that it is a little bit preachy and i feel like 
a big part of our episode was sort of going through all the the preachiness of it and deciding what is justified in that because there's there's some critiques of like safety at the festival and there's some critiques of like um what was going on in society society that do seem to hold up and then there's some that seem a little bit less uh realistic and less defensible like i feel like even though it it wants to act like it doesn't, it does do a little bit of that, like, if kids listen to heavy music and play violent video games, they'll be violent sort of thing, which uh, we very much disagree with. And the documentary does kind of get into that a little bit. Like, hey, if you get a bunch of guys together listening to angry music, of course it's going to be violent. So it is preachy. I think some of it is preachy in an okay way. And then some of it, I think, is trying to... I think I think it oversteps its boundaries a little bit as far as like coming up with a logical conclusion. I think that's sort of how we how we arrived on that one. It's sort of, sort of half and half. It's yeah, yeah. That's good to know. I think I left with the sense. I think I have the sense that Woodstock '99 is maybe not as bad as people think. I think that, that there's a handful of things that are that are really bad and gross, like the uh, the overflowing toilets and the lack of water and stuff. And besides those little things, like I think that the the music seemed to go over all right. I think that the the riot at the end kind of seemed cool. I think that there's been a little too much emphasis on like Limp Biscuit played and then people people rioted and tore down plywood. And it's like, yeah, I mean they tore down plywood at a festival. Like who cares? Weren't they rioting because the water was insanely overpriced as well? Yes. Yeah, it was four dollars. Four dollars a bottle. In ninety-nine dollars. Um yeah, the uh, the water and food were overpriced and it was hard to get. There there were facilities to get water, but it was basically impossible to get free water from them because people were bathing in there. Uh, the shower facilities were inadequate. There was trash everywhere. The the porta potties overflowed, so there was just like sewage everywhere. Uh, it was it was a ridiculous temperature. It was so hot. People were dehydrating. Uh, there was nowhere to go to cool down. There was like no shade. It was just like this this compounding list of things. So that by the end, everyone was miserable and fed up, and just like the moment anyone started. Like the moment anyone started a fire or started going off, everyone's like, yeah, we got to do this too because everyone was fed up. Yeah, I, I really want to see it. Like, uh, I, I am curious about it. And I'm glad to know that because I've heard people kind of make it seem like it's from the perspective of the festival organizer, like the f- the film is. And uh, I'm getting the impression that that's kind of a simple reading and you don't have to read him as the protagonist. But I also wanted to say that, like, I agree. I think Woodstock 99 in a lot of ways is pretty cool like it seems fun in in some ways not others and a lot of horrific stuff happened but I feel like a lot of that is just commonplace at the numerous festivals like Woodstock 99 now like I think it uh, gets a reputation because like it happened there but it's also something that happens all the time now and we don't really talk about it yeah, and it's something that happened at the original Woodstock, too. Absolutely. Thanks for talking about that. Uh, and I will tell the audience, be sure to check out their podcast if you want a uh, whole hour long. That is Turn On Your Monitor. Yeah, that is Turn On Your Monitor, so go check that out. Um. Facts don't care about your feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings. These are facts. There's a few other stories I wanted to talk about. Uh, The first one is... Um, I want to talk about the eviction ban, but I, I'll go through it from the beginning because it's kind of changed like over the past few days. So, 
the eviction ban was going to expire and there was a bunch of i would call it like uh <laughs> like royalty drama what's the word for it court court drama editor's note the phrase i was looking for was palace intrigue it felt like the interactions between dukes and uh, princes or something like, oh, how are we going to do this or that <laughs> policy? Oh, I don't know. Like, uh, just very detached from uh, material reality because Biden and Pelosi and uh, the CDC were all like passing the hot potato back and forth to each other about what to do about the eviction ban. And it ended up expiring. Um, so let's start there. Like, even though, you know, spoiler alert, it ends up um, being extended, but there were still like thousands of people who were evicted in that time. And they still have a bunch of debt from the unpaid rent. So wh what are your thoughts on that? I, I feel like every pretty much every decision that's happened in the government since, I mean, before the pandemic, but pandemic especially has just been a disaster uh nobody's really addressed anything properly and i think it's just kind of another another step in the uh the, the fun world of of society falling apart you know because nobody there are so many people that haven't recovered at all from the beginning of the pandemic and it's just more stuff compounding but uh but you all got six hundred dollars right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're st we're still living off that 600 bucks. <laughs> yes. And I mean, I kind of feel like it, it, the government is increasingly making it clear that it's not a really democratic institution when they don't really it, it doesn't feel like you elect people and that they try to pass policies like they don't even try to make it seem like that it's like oh well we have to talk to the senate parliamentarian and then talk to the cdc and blah 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 like it's all very uh detached from our experience even like, uh, I mean, even just various ballot measures that generally have overwhelming support, you you elect people that don't in any way reflect that. Because um, I think, I don't know. I mean, probably one of the most uh, one of the most obvious ones is like I think if you just did a popular poll on marijuana legalization, I think probably like I think it's like ninety percent of Democrats are like, yeah, sure, legalize it. And I think like a vast majority, even like seventy five percent of Republicans are like, yeah, sure, make it legal, whatever. Um, but no politicians, the Republicans obviously not, but even the Democrats, like the uh, the the Biden Harris White House is like, we need to actually crack down harder on the war on drugs. And it's like, well, literally nobody is voting for that. Like no state that has that on the ballot is voting for that. No popular vote is voting for that, but that's just what these people who, I mean, are bought off by lobbyists are are pushing. Same goes for healthcare, like like Medicare for all is overwhelmingly supported by even conservatives, but you know, the lobbyists are like, no, let's shut that down. So it's just it's just another just just every little detail is just another thing on that in that sequence of your your politicians don't represent you or even if you vote for them for certain reasons, they don't represent you on that. They just represent whoever's giving them money. So that's, that's America. So I have a, I have a stupid question. Maybe not stupid. Uh, why do they have to ask the CDC? Because politics is dumb and there has to be a million different steps to go through so that you can always blame somebody else for not doing something. I don't okay. know the actual. I don't know the actual reason. It, it's it's something like Biden or the the, the Senate and the House uh, waited too long to pass a bill. They they forgot it was expiring, <laughs> or so they say, basically. And then <laughs> in such short notice, they were like, Biden has to do it. And then Biden was like. No, I can't do that. The CDC has to. And then the CDC was like, no, we, we can't do it either. Um, so, but that kind of, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just, I don't really know. It all just seems like made up stuff to put in the newspapers and explain it, but it doesn't make sense. It feels like with every, like with every issue, there's always some kind of catch to it where, like, obviously, like, the I mean, the Democrats have the White House, the Democrats have Congress, like the Democrats have everything. But there's always some kind of catch that's like, well, even though we control everything, we actually don't have the power. 
So it's like, oh, everyone supports this, but oh, there's this this pesky little detail, and we may have all the votes, but like we're not allowed to vote for it, or or oh, we need this person's approval, or we need this, or we need this, or Biden can't do that. I don't know. There, there's always like I feel like every time this comes up, every time Congress is going to let something expire, or there's some there's some important bill, there's always like some new detail that I didn't know of before that comes up. Like, oh, didn't you know that the the parliamentarian has to uh, has to uh, crawl out of their hole and if they see their shadow the bill can't pass and it's like when <laughs> yes. has that ever happened before <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and i i want to move forward a little bit because the eviction ban did end up getting extended until the end of october i believe and this was after a sit-in involving uh cory bush the representative and i i believe aoc as well uh but then this also kind of begs a few questions like first of all like you extended it so why couldn't you before like all of that other stuff seems made up but the other question it begs is like we we already kind of got a glimpse of what will happen when the eviction ban ends and it will basically be a bunch of people potentially millions of people being evicted and not only are they being evicted but they have potentially tens of thousands of unpaid rent debts that uh, will probably prevent them from ever uh, finding a place easily again so uh, yeah that's kind of a lot to unpack but what are your thoughts on that yeah it it seems like whenever this does run out it's just going to be horrifying uh, our entire society is based on the idea that every single aspect of your life is just perpetually on the edge and a danger of collapse at any moment. So it feels really just like an extension of that because, you know, most people work a job that like barely pays enough to survive. There's like they have no money left over for emergencies or anything. You're always like one paycheck away from getting evicted. You're always like right on the edge. So I think that being on the edge of society collapsing every month is kind of in line with how we've been running this stuff traditionally anyway. Um, I I honestly don't know because it's one of those things where in my head, I'm like, I know that they can and everyone wants to stop the eviction ban. Like they would love to just like get that out of the way, quote unquote, return to normal and stuff. But like society is, society. is actually going to collapse if you do that. Like you are going to have... Uh, just a giant, giant mass of people who are who are newly homeless, essentially, and like that's, I mean, and and they're they're definitely trying to crack down. They're trying to do their best to make homelessness illegal, but I don't I I don't see how you do that and not have society just collapse if you just kick a ton of people out on the streets while BlackRock basically owns every house in the country. <laughs> yes. Well, I know that you down there have and and we in Canada kind of have the same thing going on where cities are super cracking down on uh tent like homeless uh camps and stuff. Uh so I think like that combined with millions of people being evicted will just be awful. Like probably a dust bowl level of migration. Yeah, it's funny. I was actually watching the uh, first season of The Real World the other night, and uh, they w- were by this homeless camp. And um, so this was in 1992, remember? And they're in New York, find a homeless camp. And they refer to it as a Reaganville, uh, which I'm like... You know, we we know of Hoovervilles in the U.S. where they were the, the, like, towns after the Great Depression where they were, like, homeless camps. I feel like there will be another massive wave of kind of, to the extent that I could see, like, you know, in Seattle, there's, like, almost, like, people starting to build, like, structures. It's not just, like, tent cities anymore. There's, like, so much homeless people that homeless people themselves are kind of building their own infrastructure. Um, I, I don't really know. Like, I feel like there will be these, like, shanty towns, uh, developing and like they almost like proto or like um alternative versions of slums in central and south america yeah i think so too will we call them bidenvilles (laughs) yes i i feel like knowing uh i feel like knowing 
the level of political discourse and how how uh, politics has poisoned everybody. I think they're still gonna they're still gonna try to call name them after Trump. I'm sure. Um, I think that we're still going to be trying to blame yeah. Trump for stuff like like twenty years in the future. Uh, but I, I I fully expect um, when you when you start seeing like Newsweek articles or whatever about um, oh here's a here here's a new like homeless encampment or whatever where they start doing like um, in Indian stuff when you go to like the slums and there's just like the electrical wires running everywhere and like nothing's up to code and it's like very very ramshackle. Uh, everyone in the comments will be like, "We should call these Trump towns." <laughs> yes. Like I, I just I, I can already envision like fifty of those tweets. Like I can see them in front of me right now. So that's that's what I imagine. I think we're gonna <laughs> yeah. go. I think we're going Trump town on that. Well, there's also the kind of dark reality that Trump does get reelected and that problem just accelerates and so they will be accurately named. <laughs> I mean, I can't the idea of Trump running again and getting elected is so absurd that I can't rule it out. Yeah. Anything could happen. Yeah, I think the Republicans uh, party at large will not want that to happen. And now that they know it's a reality that it can happen, they'll kind of um, crack down harder against him, even though he would probably be their best chance of winning in 2024. Well, if, uh, if some documentaries produced by a very coked up MyPillow CEO or anything to go by... Trump could still be president. <laughs> yep. That's right, yeah. I heard he was saying that either August or maybe September is when uh, tr- Biden will step down and Trump will be properly reinstated. He just keeps, he keeps bump. It's kind of like and- doomsday predictions. He just keeps bumping it back and then he keeps presenting more evidence but his evidence keeps getting more garbled like the last round of evidence was just like just a flickering screen where he's like look at this data and like literally nobody could read it (laughs) yes yeah it's like uh in the in the 19th century there were all these millennialist uh kind of sects uh constantly saying the end of the world was coming and they were always wrong about it and they just kept moving the date up and it works yeah, but normally yeah. they like maybe go a few years back or something. It's like for him, it's like every month he just moves it to the next month. <laughs> I mean, to be fair for that audience, I think that works. They're all they're barely hanging on to sanity as is. So I think I think they're fine with that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. The uh, next story I wanted to talk about is um, I touched on it a, a little bit last episode, but wanted to talk a little more about uh, the lawsuit that the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing is filing against Activision Blizzard. Uh, and I want to talk about this because this is like a truly... Um, noteworthy example of workplace sexual harassment it's almost seems trivializing to call some of this stuff just harassment like it kind of goes beyond that um and i guess it's also noteworthy because activision blizzard is probably like comparable in size in terms of like money and just overall capital to like a major movie studio or something so i mean it is like a huge company but uh, how much have you both uh followed this situation i haven't followed it too much uh i think i was kind of like okay yeah massive uh sexual harassment that checks yeah i tried to i kept up with a little bit like when there were news stories like that the uh the quote-unquote cosby suite picture was going around a lot and i looked into it um but yeah admittedly uh, not really not really much of a gamer so that news doesn't doesn't uh come across my uh my feed that much but yeah i was hearing um everyone i know who's kind of 
into gaming and that. Like I saw a lot of people saying to boycott any other stuff. I saw some. I saw. I read a couple news articles on the uh, the Cosby Suite stuff and just the various allegations of harassment and stuff. I feel like I'm not a hundred percent in the loop, but I've read a little bit about it. Yeah, so I don't want to get, I mean, I feel a little bad because I'll get into, I guess, like, salacious details, but it, I do want to, like, illustrate, like, the extent of some of this stuff. So there is one uh, female employee who was being um, kind of sexually harassed by a manager, and then they went on a retreat um, like a company retreat and he had brought a bunch of like sex toys with him and was like using those to um, like sexually harass this woman and she actually committed suicide on the retreat oh I did not know oh that God. wow yeah I hadn't heard that that's really oh that's awful yeah and the really disgusting thing about it is employees were sharing like um, I don't know if they were nude but like provocative photos of her um I think she was nude like after she had died uh okay oh my I, God. I understand why everyone's saying to boycott them now that's I, I was not aware of those yeah. details yeah and I mean there's just and then there's a lot of just that's there's that type of stuff but then also just a overwhelming amount of you know the type of everyday sexual harassment um you hear of and there's very i think the real reason the government's pursuing them is because there is a very like demonstrable history of them hiring unqualified men um, or giving them promotions when much more qualified women were uh, already like working there or more likely to get that raise. They, the women consistently made a lot less money and there's a lot of stories of like the upper management um, basically playing video games all day and telling women to do their duty. Yeah, oh I mean, from the, from the yeah, from the stuff I read, like if it, it sounded like there was just like a massive pattern for like the entire run of the company of just being awful in every way in those regards. Like it, it seems like they're trying to like they're trying to run a video game company like it's Mad Men, except it's not. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think this is a problem with a, a lot of tech companies. Whether it's gaming or or just like software, yeah, kind of the um, I guess like kind of the traditional like whether it's like good old boys or like men's club stuff kind of got it kind of got reincarnated in like the new tech bro version. Yeah, for sure. In in the lawsuit, that's kind of why they like describe it as like frat boy uh, or like a frat boy culture. And one other thing to kind of illustrate that is they would do this thing where they would make male employees like run around the office on well not run around but crawl around on their like hands and legs and like sniff at women's vaginas um as like i i think that's the most like frat boy thing they described that's that's insane that's like oh my god that's way beyond even (laughs) what i expected yeah i would i would not this is not like the kind of details like even in my like worst imagination I can't think anyone would actually do that in like tw- like the t- 2020 <laughs> 2019 or whatever like that's ridiculous you wouldn't even see this in like Wolf of Wall Street. No. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me almost of like the type of like weird rituals that the super rich do at like their retreats in like the Swiss mountains or something like that. Just like depraved shit. Yeah. Oh, what's that one that everyone talks about? Something grow. There are all those conspiracies. The Alex Jones. Bohemian yeah, Bohemian Grove. Grove. Yeah. Yeah. These would be gods of the New World Order. 
and then just I guess kind of the cherry on top that really makes it bad at least for me because I've been a longtime fan of World of Warcraft is a lot of this was being uh, perpetrated by the creative director of WoW and so he like he's specifically named at the center of all a lot of these allegations so I guess that's just really bleak because that seems like a really high title like he was probably like first or second in command of the game yeah oh yeah that's a whole like at that point like you have a whole legacy that you're you're putting on the line for nothing really i mean i'm assuming like if you're if you're a big world of warcraft guy like you got it made forever you just don't you just have to not be a scumbag (laughs) yes you are not prepared yeah, so we, we can move on from that um, to maybe a, a lighter story. Okay, this story is also in California. Um, there's kind of this big freak out, especially from, I guess, conservatives about the fact that it may be a lot harder to get bacon in California or it will end up being more expensive because California passed a law that pigs used for meat have to have a certain amount of space. They can't just be, like, shoved into a tiny pen or whatever. And because of that, uh, virtually all bacon makers um, will continue doing that practice and just might not sell bacon or any pork products, really, in California. Uh, Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I... Even though you said it was a lighter subject, I might go off about how disgusting industrial farming is. <laughs> go off. It's uh, it's extremely, it's extremely immoral the way we farm pigs, um, and not just pigs, but I think pigs stand out because they are very intelligent. Uh, and my mom actually has a pet pig named Wally. Oh, that's awesome. Who. Uh, yeah, he lives in the house with her. And you're over there right now, so you're actually uh, you're actually hanging with Wally now. I am, yeah, yeah, I am hanging out with a house pig. Is he large? He's huge. He's, <laughs> yes, but he's not. Uh, he is not a. He's allegedly a Vietnamese potbelly pig, but he's pretty large for one. But he's smaller than a pig that would be farmed over here. Wow. Dude, to those of us who who don't normally live with pigs, when you see him, you're like, that's a big pig. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's a small pig. <laughs> he's yeah. not he's probably about two hundred pounds. He's not a thousand pounds or anything. That's it. yeah, that's still pretty big. It's big, yeah. Yeah, but the stuff with like the 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 thing about the about the 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 pork thing is like it's not even they're not even really requiring that much it's just like hey the pigs can't currently turn around they should have enough space that they could turn around which is not really much to ask for and like they're like well this is gonna just destroy the whole pork industry everything's gonna shut down if we let these pigs have enough room to like fully extend their legs or turn around which it just seems very barbaric absolutely yeah it's only it's only four extra feet that I, I think it's supposed to give them. Yeah, it's barely, yeah, it's there barely were, anything at all. Yeah, yeah there, were, there were a lot of uh, pig farmers uh, upset because they won't be able to farm quite as many pigs and they'll lose money and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I couldn't live with myself if I did that <laughs> as a job. I'm sorry. I agree. Yeah, it's awful. I'm not, like, I do, I'm not vegan or anything, but yeah, I... Industrial agriculture is just a nightmare. I I would feel better about eating meat if they didn't live such terrible lives. I mean, maybe that's bad to say. And I mean, I still eat meat anyway. But like, you know, um, some people would be like, well, you're still eating an animal that was born to be killed. So what's the difference kind of? But I would feel a little better about it. Same. Yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah. I think I think that that's really the you know a meme at this point. But there's no ethical consumption under capitalism, where 
I mean, if you're going to wear clothes, you're going to wear clothes that were produced in, you know, less than ideal circumstances. And if you're going to eat food, you're going to eat even, I mean, even if you're, even if you are a vegan, like if you're eating fruits and vegetables, you are eating stuff that was produced via human suffering and exploitation of people still like the people that the people that pick your fruit are not living the best of lives doing that. So, you know, um, it's just, it's all terrible all around and, and life is, uh, Life is kind of a depressing hellscape when you get down to it. I will also say that uh, pig farming on that scale, uh, is, it causes a lot of pollution. Uh, and people sometimes die in vats of pig waste. One of the few, I, I kind of blanked like almost all of the science I learned in college out because I, I was not doing anything scientific related. But like the one thing that stays in my head is just like how bad pig farming is to the environment. Like that was yeah. like all of the uh, all of the discussions of you know like like human human impact on the environment and pollution and runoff into water. It's always like, oh yeah, pig farming is like the absolute worst thing humans can do. <laughs> pig farming on that scale, like on a small scale, pigs are a great uh, animal to farm because they do not need a ton of space. Uh, it's not like cattle where they have to have a lot of uh, grazing area or anything. Uh, they have a varied diet, so they can eat a lot of different things. Like it makes sense to have a few pigs. Back in the day when everyone was subsistence farming, that was totally an animal that made sense to have. If you're Nick Cage, you get a pig and it's all good. <laughs> yeah, that was that pig was not to eat. That was a truffle pig. Okay, I, I have not. Only possibly you are the only one here who's seen that. I, so I saw that I movie. Know, oh, I'm the only one here. I just know Nick Cage pig. That's it. Did you like it? I thought it was pretty good. Um, and... Well, I'll say, yeah, I liked it. It was a little, like, flat for me, though. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. not a lot happens. But I will say, I did also live in Portland for five years. So it was cool seeing, like, there are a lot of Portland landmarks in that movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't what I expected going in, but I ended up liking it. Yeah, it's pretty good. I would recommend it. I would give a lukewarm recommendation to most people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and I, <laughs> one thing I was thinking about is, have you guys ever heard about the Jane diet? Like, of the, or I don't know, do you say it Jane? I don't know, but their religion, like Jainism, how they like, yeah, yeah, they like won't even eat like potatoes or onions because they won't remove anything from the ground because they don't want to like injure like microorganisms in the earth. And like they basically just eat like fruit or nuts or like whatever falls from a tree. Yeah. Yeah, and they're very careful about not stepping on insects and things like that. <laughs> yeah. I could never do that personally, but I think it's interesting. It's probably the most moral way to live, but I don't think I could do it. <laughs> yes. Oink, oink, pig, can you sing a song? There's one story that caught my eye that I kind of wanted to touch on. Um... There was another person who was one of the cops at the the January 6th, um, you know, I don't know what to call it, riot, the January 6th incident. Um, there is another, or I guess two now total, or I think it's two additional we, ones. We've talked a lot in the past about mental health when it comes Sorry, to... Sorry, a, a CNN clip just started playing, and I was like, who's talking? But yeah. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> I think it's four total now. Yeah, so there is like two additional on top of two who happened earlier. Um, yeah, w w what do you guys think about this? I'll say I'm, maybe I have a little tinfoil hat take that I don't actually necessarily believe, but I'll put out there in a little bit. What do you think? And you sons of bitches sit there and you play these games, and I'm sick of it. Uh, I... My when I first started hearing about 
uh, some of the cops killing themselves, my assumption was like, were they involved and worried that they were going to get found out? My my take on it, the more the more I see about it, the more I think that like cops in general are pretty unstable and they seem to be probably more so than than most segments of the population, like very touchy, very uh very, very sensitive to a lot of stuff. So I mean, I think that they end up like killing themselves and killing their families disproportionately anyway. But I think that um a lot of what I was looking around like Reddit and seeing some people who were like sympathetic to to this who were like, oh no, the, the poor cops are being overworked. Um they all seem to think that it was like it's like the dual the dual pressure of, you know, you have people on the left who have been, you know, to varying, you know, to varying degrees of severity, you know, saying all cops are bastards, you know, talking about like, you know, defunding the, you know, uh, defunding the police is probably like the lighter version. And then even like more on the liberal side, there's some kind of like, we need police reform there. So there's some kind of like negative police energy on that side, even if it's not really that strong or, or real even like what are the Democrats, the Democrats just keep voting to give the cops more money. Like that's not real. Um, but then also the right wing who traditionally have been the thin blue line pro cop guys, the moment that they were sort of the, the opposition to the Capitol riot, then it immediately became like, these cops are standing in the way of our freedom. You're traitors, you're traitors. So I guess the guys on Reddit or at least are like, Oh, from both sides, you're getting, you're getting cops are bad. Cops are bad. Cops are bad. And then they just, they, they can't handle it. And they, they 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 break down and they I guess blow their heads off with their uh, their uh, what do you call it? Um, I forget what the technical name like what you call a, a cop's gun like something issued state issued I don't know whatever. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know the word for it, but um. So tell me tell me what you think of that my theory that I'm gonna share because I kind of you know it's not that far fetched because as you said they're typically middle aged men and that is the demographic most likely to commit suicide at least in the U S. But part of me wonders if they were given orders because uh, to kind of stand back or let people in and now that there's more and more pressure to have this like commission or you know they feel more and more like people are gonna look into it they don't want to have to be the ones who like spills the beans about specific orders they've got and that kind of uh is a contributing factor because i've always kind of had the position that the cops at least enabled this and in many ways you can almost see it as like a police riot not only because the police let it happen but also because there were so many cops who were like involved in the rioting but um do you think anything like that factors into it yeah i I mean that seems pretty plausible actually yeah i mean i'm i'm fully of the belief that like that sequence of events at least was present in part of um part of epstein's death where like oh the cops who were asleep when they were supposed to not be asleep and who were supposed to be monitoring like oh they've been bad and they had to go to trial and it was like i believe that those cops got orders from someone to do exactly what they did um so i could i could see it i mean i've been i the problem is like i don't even know i don't even know really how tinfoily that is because I mean, on January 6th, everybody was like, yeah, these cops are letting people in. Like, clearly they're they're in on this. So I, I think the idea that they are and that they got orders from somebody is not far-fetched. And I get the sense that if you are a pawn in whatever whatever bigger schemes are going down, they will throw you under the bus if they need to. And th- this has been getting a lot of pressure from at least, like, the Democrats to, like, do something about it. And people who didn't think they were going to get arrested have been arrested. And... You've got like baked Alaska and the QAnon shaman in, in jail right now. So yeah, I mean, it might be like, it might just be a thing where it's like, Oh my, my, my time's up and I'd rather just, you know, kill myself than the deal with this or something else. So I, I a hundred percent would not like, I, I would not dismiss that idea at all. I think, I think it's very plausible. I think that um, it's kind of hard even to think about, 
the Capitol riot stuff because so much has been going on. But I feel like there's been a pretty the the coverage from the coverage from everybody has been very weird to the point that I feel like a lot of the actual details of that got lost. Like the like the footage of of cops and even even politicians like letting like a lot of that stuff has just been kind of swept under the rug to try to create a narrative of. I guess the the main Democrat narrative is trying to pin it on the the various uh, protesters who went in there and and stuff. But like there there's footage of various politicians and cops like letting people in and telling them where to go and giving them information. So I I guess I'm I guess I'm I guess I don't think about it that much. But I guess I I, I am still wearing my tinfoil hat on that subject as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think this obviously was an inside job. Yeah, it, much like 9/11. It, it almost has to be right. on some level because of the just I mean, the fact that they just kind of walked in. I mean, you know, pe- people don't talk about that aspect as much anymore. Well, not as I hear it. I always hear about like the more dramatic parts, but I mean, they did just basically walk in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they I- did. And I feel like we kind of lost, like, there are a lot of details that I feel like kind of got lost. Like, um, I, I didn't, I can't remember at this point, but like Marjorie Taylor Greene or somebody was like basically like giving people like where AOC was. Like there was some, like they were, they were giving intel on like where people were hiding and stuff. Like there, there was definitely information being disseminated in a not the most covert kind of way. And I think that probably the spectacle around like Marjorie Taylor green and Matt Gates and all them senses has maybe eclipsed some of that. But I remember when it happened, it was very much a thing like, Oh, there are Republican politicians who are in on this. There are cops who are in on it. There's security footage of them being in on it and of them. And I think that like, I, I think that everyone who did that obviously is, has bad politics and is pretty dumb for like even if you're protesting at the Capitol and like you were le- like and and you find your way inside, like don't go in there. That just seemed that's a horrible idea from your own personal uh, self preservation standpoint. But like I think that those dim witted people who are like the cops let us in and said we could do it. Like I don't think they're lying. I think that the I think that the cops were like here, go on in. Yeah, I mean there were there was videos of them. Yeah, there were videos of them just like letting them in. Like stepping aside and <laughs> and there are a bu- the door. there are a bunch of people who were just like in there taking photos. <laughs> it, probably of like any like quote unquote historical event is probably the most live streamed event like on a person per person basis. <laughs> yes, it was like a fucked up field trip, basically. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I was just gonna say that like the inside of Pelosi's office was just like. 40 different dudes on individual live streams. It's like, what up? We're live from Nancy Pelosi's office. Hit that, hit that thumbs up because we're, uh, look, I got Nancy Pelosi's phone and like, like just simultaneously, there's like 40 live streams at the same time. And that's all anyone was doing. And there was live streaming it. (laughs) Yeah. And and that kind of begs the question, how, what percentage of people in there do you think we're like federal agents undercover? (laughs) I mean, judging by the way that like every single thing like that happens, eighty, yeah, because like every time there's like an assassination attempt or like something, it's like, oh, it turns out that twelve of the thirteen militia members were actually feds, and it's like, <laughs> yes, okay, well, we're we're right. at the point. Didn't that happen? That yeah. happened recently with a who? What was the kidnapping attempt uh, was, of the politician? And it was like fourteen out of eighteen guys were feds. Yeah, it was like it was like over eighty percent of the people involved were agents, and it's like or, or like informants or whatever. And it's like okay, it, it was uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of Michigan. Yeah, yeah, that one. Right. I mean, so so going off those statistics, I mean, like probably probably eighty five percent of the people in the Capitol were probably like informants or something. Yeah, well, I mean, realistically, I do feel like it's probably maybe more like two or three percent of them because a lot of them were just kind of like bozos, honestly. But I think a lot of the people who were being more instigatory, I don't know if that's a word, instigating more, um, were a, a big proportion of those were probably undercover. 
Yeah, there were yeah. there were like there were a handful of people who were like there on business and like they had some like serious ideas. And then there were a ton of people who were just like like Oh, I closed up my jet ski store in Palm Beach and I came here and hey, I'm inside. And what do you mean I'm arrested? Uh, there were just like a lot of clueless people wandering around like, hey, we're we're taking back we're taking back the government freedom. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think there were probably really only like a handful of people who were actually I, I think that there was. I think that there was a small group of people who were like, this is it. We've been planning for it going in all tactically. Probably a, a proportion of them were like informants or, or undercover or something. And then there was a bunch of people who were just kind of cluelessly wandering in like sheep. And then they're kind of, they're, they're probably getting thrown under the bus and arrested to kind of take pressure off the other people, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people, kind of wandered in thinking, oh, if there's enough people and we go in, they're just going to hand the government to us. Can't argue with that logic, though. <laughs> yeah, I think they kind of went in without a plan. They were just like, we're going to get in and s who knows? <laughs> we'll Mike Pence if we see him. <laughs> Oink. Um, but with that, I suppose that's a pretty good place to stop. Um, unless you guys have anything you want to say, feel free to plug anything you want. Um, Twitter, your podcast, anything like that. Um, yeah, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and plug the podcast again. If you, it, it should be, we're, we're very bad with like understanding how podcasts work, but it, it's available on pretty much all of the big platforms. So if you look up turn on your monitor it's there um but also if anybody wants to follow the twitter account for that it's at turn on your monitor but your is spelled yr um and then that i mean that has links to both of our personal profiles and our personal profiles have stuff we do like i have a website with a lot of the stuff i do on it uh just has a link to her etsy where she does art and prints and all kinds of stuff so uh, if anybody's interested in any of that stuff it should be easy enough to find from there i think should we add anything else jess yeah. No, I think that's that's good. All right. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. I thought it went really well, and uh, you're always welcome back. Thanks for having us. Yay! Thank. Thanks you. for having us. I'm uh, I'm a fan. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. It was good to be on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's great. <laughs> <laughs>